Well, welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohoff. And uh, we get an opportunity to come to you with some insights and some perspectives, Tim, that take advantage of your communication background with your PhD in that area. And And your background in psychology. psychology. And to apply that to this area about the uh, art of relationships gives us this amazing opportunity, I think, to be part of a world in which... Uh, we get to explore and look at uh, from a scientific perspective, but also from one in which we just look at relationships and talk about these things. Right. And it's really fun to do this together. And and everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Uh, if you were to poll the average American, he or she would say, the top of my list above career success would be to have a family. Yeah. And so everybody wants to know, man, what's the key to having a good relationship, a good family, uh, resolving conflict? That's why we started this podcast is... This conversation is that people want to talk about. Yeah. And and second on that list is our podcast. It's the second most popular thing yes, in America. I wanna, yes. I want to be on Neil Hoff Grace's <laughs> podcast, as we refer to it often. So, Tim, as you think about relationships like this and as we talk about them, let's do this. Um, we've been talking about influence. We've yes. been talking about ways in which um, – uh, people navigate uh, and influence each other, things that we're impacted by. Yeah. The last time we talked about ways in which we can uh, point to people who have had huge impacts right. on us yeah. simply because of how they lived their lives, right? Let's talk about the role of influence in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just start off with something that uh, researcher John Gottman has said and done. And what he did is they did a study. It took him about – I think they followed uh, – individuals who had been married, they'd fallen for almost nine years. It was a long-term study. They took 130 newlywed couples. As they followed these, they uh, I think it was about nine or 10 years. In the first few months, they began to see something very interesting. There were some men who allowed their wives to influence influence them. And we'll describe that in just a minute. But they had happier relationships, and they were less likely to eventually divorce right? Than those who resisted Mm. their wife's influence. Now, when they talked about statistically speaking, what they were looking at then, when a man is not willing to share power, he wrote, Mm. this is John Gottman, uh, when they're not willing to share power with their partners, there is an 81% chance that his marriage will self-destruct. Wow. Those are big numbers. It's a great, anytime you do a long-term study and you look at and follow young couples for that period of time, you know they're landing on some things that rise to the top. Yeah. So what what comes to mind when you think about that? And what do you hear? This idea of accepting influence really means that many of these men just simply allowed and talked with their spouses, right? They allowed them when they made a big decision, they talked about it, and then they would make this decision and yeah. often together. But in cases in which they rejected that or resisted that influence, they started to run into problems. So what's your thought? You know, man, my immediate thought is this is generational. Yeah. If you go back to my dad, mm-hmm. a sign of power was he didn't need anybody's opinion. He knew what to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember sometimes my mom would try to interject, and he would literally say, Nan, I got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. That's totally against what Gottman's saying. Now, I would hope that this generation, mm-hmm. like, I cannot imagine heading into marriage, uh, my generation, with that kind of attitude. It's mm-hmm. like, what's the point mm-hmm. of getting married and not being a team where we have equal influence with each other? And we can talk later about 
how you influence a spouse. But that really struck me. My first thought was, man, that's a generational issue where mm-hmm. power was, hey, fall behind dad. Mm-hmm. We're all going to go this direction and I'm not having one minute waver that this is what we should do. And I, I just don't see that in my own marriage. What about you? Uh, you know, I think what, uh, no, I don't see it either. Uh, it, it feels as if uh, it becomes an issue for some couples, especially, I think the 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 idea of the emotionally intelligent person mm. or the emotionally intelligent mm. husband comes into play, that we tend to see fewer and fewer cases, I think generationally, of of men who approach the marriage as this is the way it goes. I'm not going to listen to you. I have to make the decisions. However, I mean, there are still times in which this idea of the way conflict is resolved can lead to some of these issues. So I I think what Gottman had earlier studied was, remember the four horsemen that he talks about of the cop? apocalypse, right? Yeah. This idea of contempt and criticism and defensiveness and stonewalling. Those four horsemen, we've talked about them on another podcast before, but that in arguments and in times of disagreements, it was oftentimes the men that resorted to using the four horsemen as a mm. way to resist yep. the influence. Yep. Yep. And so it was more yeah. a problem at that time with husbands than with wives. And it seemed as if that was mainly what he's pointing to when this study of these newlyweds, the ones that navigated it well, didn't rely as much, especially for the men, on the four horsemen. And let me just speak for a a quick tangent. So listeners who are single who are thinking, well, how will I know that my spouse takes my influence. How will I know this? Hello, it's called dating, right? (laughs) So as you're dating, if the person that you're uh, slowly getting more and more committed to doesn't take your advice easily or resists it always, man, that's a huge red flag. You've just seen your marriage. So in a dating relationship, you want this ebb and flow. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes the other person's right. Sometimes, and it's okay to have passion. It's okay to have convictions. But if I have a conviction Noreen cannot speak into, man, that's that's a tough place to be in a marriage. So dating is incredibly important to see what your future marriage is going to look like. Well, what would you look for? I mean, here's a couple, they're they're dating, they're getting serious and they're they're kind of thinking to themselves, wait, I want to predict this or see this. I would suggest maybe one thing they're looking for is, do you feel honored and respected? In, in and this? acknowledged. And acknowledged. And okay, acknowledged. so let's start, with, let's start with acknowledged. Do yeah, you feel acknowledged? Absolutely. Do you feel respected? And then even do you feel honored? I mean, you could take it up each level. If So we're talking to people who are dating, what, That's right. what to be looking for, okay. right? Very first thing you're looking for in a person that you're dating, do they know who Steve Eiserman is? <laughs> Steve Eiserman <laughs> is one of the most famous captains of the Detroit Red Wings, the best team in hockey ever. Chris <laughs> likes the Anaheim Ducks. They won the Stanley Cup once. Detroit has won it 11 times. This is probably a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's a nice qualifying thing about dating. But besides that... Well, I'm waiting to see how you draw this one back in. Besides that, let's drop the puck on... <laughs> no, acknowledgement, when we talk about a healthy communication climate, yeah. acknowledgement is really important. And, and let's be clear, acknowledgement doesn't mean you have to agree with my perspective or I have to agree with your perspective. Mm-hmm. It simply means, do I recognize it? Yeah. And do I give it a certain amount of weight, yeah. even if I don't go with what you're saying, I, I at least consider it and deeply consider it. That's what we want in a dating relationship. And that's what you'd want in a marriage. Yeah, so I guess what, so some of the advice we would give if, if you're approaching, let's say you're engaged or newly married and you're watching this, it would be for to continue to work on 
this ability to not only recognize the other person and acknowledge yeah. their perspective, it, it, you take it seriously that, that mm -hmm. you can, even if at the end of the day, uh, you have a marriage in which you decide, let's say, okay, at the end of the day in our marriage, one of us is going to have to make this decision yeah. and, and, stand, and take responsibility for the decision. Yeah. Uh, it's what we're saying, I think, uh, and, and this study seems to point out is for the couples who can can come to a point of agreement, talk about, rather than just a unilateral decision that's being made. And, re, you know, so in other words, there's this coming together of, yeah. tell me what you think. Here's what I'm thinking. We can process and talk about this. And I know you have a different opinion and I have one here, but how do we learn to take and accept influence from one another, accept responsibility at one point, but then yeah. we make decisions based upon that acknowledgement, that respect and that honor. And let me add one thing to the acknowledgement factor. So it's it's good that that other person acknowledges your perspective and it's good that they recognize the weight of it, but it never changes them, mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't want to be in a relationship like that. Right. I mean, after a while, you're like, so let me just get this straight. In the last five years of our friendship, mm. I have never once changed your mind about mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And I think in a dating relationship, you'd want to see that. Not just do you recognize my opinion, but do you ever change your opinion or modify it based on that? Otherwise, man, that's going to be a pretty frustrating. And then after a while, I think you're going to think this acknowledgement is just token. Yeah. Because there's no chance of me changing you. And again, with my father, there was really no chance of changing his perspective. Right. So uh, it's not just acknowledgement, but but do you have the ability to influence your spouse? I think it's really important. Yeah. And I, I would imagine in a, a relationship, uh, Tim, that maybe is is in the seriously dating you know, realm or yeah. they are engaged. Um, I think if there it, this isn't occurring, there, there there would be a growing gnawing sense that hold on here. Yep. Rarely we talk a lot about this, but I'm not seeing this happen, or this isn't really part of our relationship. I think a person could probably predict that's what's going to happen, and and it, what's going to happen in their marriage is going to continue this way, rather than hoping that maybe when we get married, this will change and we'll be considered different. Boy, that's so. a key thing you just said, Chris. Hoping this is going to change when we get married is a dangerous yeah. thing. Remember the one actress, I forget what she said. Um, she said, the only time you ever change a man is when he's a baby. Change. <laughs> I think there's something right from her generation. So you want to know heading in, I have verifiable evidence that I can make an impact on this person I'm dating and about to commit the next 60, 70 years of my life to this person. I want to know I can change this person's mind. And not all the time, but uh, at least have some influence in that person's life. Uh, so in a marriage, then, uh, how do you see or where would you see uh, ways in which people can work or think through or better accept influence? So some people would say it's not – It's even beyond accepting influence, it's sharing power, let's say. Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. How do you go about doing that in a in a relationship? Let's say you want to work on this. Let's say you yeah. kind of tend to during conflict, you both and you just kind of dig in a little bit here. And 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 there are times in which I really don't want to share power, but there has to be something that motivates and draws me to do that. I mean, we could point to scripture. We could talk about Philippians two, three, and four. Right? Do nothing from selfishness yeah, or empty yeah. conceit. But it becomes hard to sometimes do that where you're in. You're entrenched or you dig in or there's really strong differences to be able to, with humility of mind, yeah. do this. Oh, oh, well, so I would say it's got to be the art of compromise. 
there's going to be times where, where you're absolutely entrenched, this is what you need to do, and your significant other is absolutely entrenched, this is what he or she thinks needs to happen. Okay, that's not going to go away. And pretending this doesn't matter to you isn't going to help. This yeah. matters to you, and you absolutely feel like we need to do this, mm-hmm. and your spouse feels like we need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to see evidence of compromise. Okay. Compromise means... <clears throat> I'm not going to be fully happy, and you are not going to be fully happy. Because, again, often I could say, listen, if I was running the marriage, this is what we do. And Noreen could say, well, if I was running it, this is what we do. Okay, now we're both running it. Mm -hmm. So what's the thing we both can feel good about the compromise? Mm -hmm. And, again, this is the power dynamic in relationships. If it always seems like this compromise is skewed. Right. This is this was a 70-30 compromise. This was 70% you got what you wanted. I feel like I got 30%. That's eventually going to damage the marriage. You and again, I think there are times when a compromise is 70-30, uh-huh. right? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to yield you 70% of this compromise. I, I feel like I'm only getting 30. But if that's continually happening, that power dynamics get skewed and you start to grow increasingly dissatisfied with the marriage because Hey, every compromise seems to work against me in major ways. Uh, how then do we avoid this idea of keeping points? Or how do we avoid yeah. Yeah. in a marriage where we keep a tally of the times I gave in? Now, listen, I gave in here, uh, and now it's your, I made dinner, it's your turn to That's clean right. up. Or, right, when we keep accounts like that, that could end up being pretty damaging because we're now seeing the world from our own perspective. I believe I give more than the other. And pretty soon, I think I'm in an unequal relationship where I'm always giving, or at least it, when the relationship starts to go bad or we start to have too much conflict, I'm now seeing my perspective and my... They asked couples one time to do this. They asked them, hey, guesstimate the amount of time that you with housework that you do housework oh. and and then and then guess what you know for your spouse the percentage yeah. of time that you're involved yeah. well the number always came back above 100 that is each they asked the husband and then they asked the wife yeah. and each of them had a number above 50 and so or at least one said 90 and the other said okay I do 40 yeah. so whatever it was they were both overestimating the amount that they did so how do you avoid this idea cuz certainly we don't want couples going out there and telling up all the time times that they gave in, all the times they compromised, or all the times they're doing something and their spouse isn't. See, this is why I think it's good that you mentioned the Philippian passage. Uh, To me, Chris, at the end of the day, this has got to be a heart issue. It's got to, because you're right, I can say I'm not keeping score, but in the back of my head, I'm sort of kind of keeping score on this. And doggone if it doesn't feel like, again, we compromised and it felt really skewed in your direction. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a heart issue where you say, you know what? Uh, We need to do what's best for the marriage. We need to do what's best for the kids. And if that means that the last three compromises were more in what my wife was saying, and I honestly feel like it's good for the marriage and good for the family to do it this way, then I'm okay with that because it really was good. Mm -hmm. And now that we've talked more, I kind of do see that your view is better Um, has more implication than my view. So this is a heart attitude. But keep the lines of communication open. It is fair to say, listen, I do kind of feel like every time we land the plane, it's on your runway more than it's on my runway. I think that's a fair and legitimate conversation Mm -hmm. to say, so I'm starting to feel a little bit like taken advantage of. Yeah, I I think that's good, Tim. I think we would... 
and I know you would agree, recommending that some of these conversations need to take place in a in a quiet, neutral, non-emotionally heavy moment in time yeah. where you can talk about this, not in the heat of the argument, not in the heat of the decision being made or the consequences that sometimes couples, if they share their heart and burden about feeling maybe that this is unequitable, this isn't the way yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, to do that in a way that doesn't feel attacking and, and maybe it's just like, we need to uh, maybe go on a date night and can we talk about this? Because I'm feeling a little bit as if I'm giving too much here. And I just want to hear your opinion. And it, so that kind and, of And let me just say to the couples who feel like, my goodness, we've done this over and over. We've had this conversation over and over and nothing seems to change. That's the value of counseling. Mm. That's the value of maybe a third party needs mm. to sit in and, and not referee, but just give input. And we have friends of ours who are uh, marriage family therapists. And I'm going to use an analogy of snow here. And I get that we're going to lose a lot of Southern California <laughs> listeners. But, but they said it's kind of like your car being stuck in the snow. Sometimes it takes one push and you're out. And other times you're really stuck. And we're going to have to dig a little bit, um, put down salt and stuff like that. So sometimes couples, you're stuck and it takes one person to give one little push, mm-hmm. one meeting to say, hey, maybe try this. Think about this. Other times you are banging your head against the wall saying, man, I feel like we've had this conversation over and over and over and we're not making any progress. Mm-hmm. Remember, Gottman says 60, what, 7% of your marital problems are going to be perpetual. Mm-hmm. These things are coming back. But if you never feel like you're gaining ground, that's when it might be good to add a third party. It could be a friend. It could be a pastor. It could be mm-hmm. a trained marriage and family therapist. I think, Tim, the outcome of that could also be um, the hope that now instead of going at each other, uh, now all of a sudden you're on the same team. The ability to take, to be thought of as team members as we attack team members right to attack this particular issue and i think what we've seen is an attitude this is what you're talking about that heart change when you see this in couples when their heart goes from competing against or fighting each other a particular issue i'll tell you what we're on the same team let's see if we can tackle this problem together let's get a win-win out of this where you feel good i feel good but that takes some time to do and you have to be willing to do that and i think that's kind of what accepting influence means it's the ability to say listen I want you to win. I want to look out for your interests. And I know you want that same for me. So let's see how we can do this together, unified, and and attack this issue. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this. It it contrasts um, humility with arrogance. Mm -hmm. And arrogance is you close yourself off. Mm -hmm. Um, Wisdom in the book of Proverbs is being open to perspectives. And, And we're not saying that you have to agree with everything your spouse says, but is there an openness to it? And again, I think that gets back to the fact that this is a bit of a hard issue. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we could talk about really quickly about how influence actually happens. Because you might just assume it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, of course I'm your spouse. Mm-hmm. Of course you listen to me. Of mm-hmm. course I'm the biggest influence in your life. And a lot of couples we come across, that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. So interesting from your realm of right. psychology, um, we understand that that identities, how we think about ourselves, is actually pretty firmed up when we're young. It's called cognitive conservatism. I become convinced that this is true about myself and it's really hard to change my opinion. So um, for a message to be received by another person, there are three criteria that must be met. Number one, uh, the message must be about you and it has to be personal rather than general. Mm -hmm. If I say... All Biola professors are great and great writers, 
and great researchers, that may not encourage you at all, Chris, even though you're a Biola faculty, because it was too general. Mm -hmm. I have to say, no, Chris, I really think your research is really good and commendable. So mm -hmm. sometimes our comments are too general. Mm -hmm. They need to be much more specific. Uh, next area is that uh, the, the person giving the appraisal has to be judged competent. Mm -hmm. Now, this is really interesting. Um, so you might look at your spouse. So, so this is what happens, often happens. Your spouse does something and they say, honey, what do you think? And we say, oh, it was great. It was awesome. And it does nothing for our spouse. Why? Mm -hmm. Because that person might be thinking, well, you're my spouse, mm -hmm. right? You're going to say you love it no matter what. Um, so I have to judge that you're competent in this area to give me influence. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a mixed package. I don't doubt that Noreen looks at me and thinks that I'm competent to speak in some areas, but not others, right? I was a theater major. She was a business major. <laughs> I was pre-unemployment. She was pre-law. Um, so when I talk about finances, or honey, I think we ought to build a deck. Noreen's like, okay, slow down just a little bit. Honey, how much do you know about decks? And what do you know about finances, right? So I think we're judged competent in different areas. Then the last one is this. You have to judge it to be reasonable. Mm -hmm. In other words, if our spouse says, honey, that was the best meal I've ever eaten in my life. Be like, wow, really? I just don't think it was that good. So it has to be kind of reasonable what you're saying. Um, so the, again, I, I've heard spouses say, you're the most beautiful person, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And it doesn't do anything to the spouse because she's like, see, you're just saying that because I know and you know I'm not the most beautiful woman in the world. So I think, I think. We have to be careful not to over-exaggerate our praise. So what do you think of those three criteria? Any thoughts about those? No, I think, well, you know, you keep thinking through ways in which this um, conversations you've had and things that have. So I, I think of this. What ministers or is, is for me something that I find or I hold on to as deep words that bring either, you know, I, I, that make me feel um, alive, and or that make me, yeah. And, and what are those? And so yeah. when I look through that, I realize, you know, that there are certain things that Elisa can say or do that seem to be um, more powerful. And I think she knows that as well. So in other words, certain sometimes she'll make a comment that's just general. Wow, the way to go to avoid that traffic accident. You really, you know, and yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, yeah. anybody could have done that. But there are other oh, ways good. in which she will then say certain words to me. Yeah. And I think she knows the power of that and has thought through it um, because sometimes her praise or her insight or her, the way she views or, or, you know, even gives compliments can really have a big impact. Uh, and so I think what happens is we have to learn each other's love language right. in some respects. Right. And sometimes it's words and sometimes yeah. it's something that is done. Yeah. And sometimes we accept, you know, the influence of that other person based upon how well they know us and then their ability to speak into some areas where maybe we really need that. Yeah, and I just I just thought of an illustration of what I was trying to say with this competent thing I think is important. So I was finishing grad school, right, working a full-time job like most of us did. It was craziness. And the very last class I took at UNC Chapel Hill was you had to submit your resume. We call it a Vita, but it's a resume. And so you had to just come up with it. Well, we're sending it to each other. So here I am at my computer, and I get the very first one. It's from a guy named Ted, Chris. This guy... 
um, not only presented papers at major conferences as a PhD student, he started his own academic journal that still exists today, right? So under, under publications, I have nothing. I'm putting something I wrote in elementary school, like <laughs> Our Friend the Beaver, you know what I mean? So, so Noreen's reading them as well. And I'll never – now, if she would have said to me at that moment, looking at my resume, she would have said, honey, that's the best resume I've ever seen, right? I would have said, man, then you just haven't read Ted's. Mm -hmm. So here's what she said to me that I'll never forget to this day. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, listen, you are a great father, you're a great husband, and at all of that, you're doing a PhD. And I think that's an incredible package. Right. See, it was reasonable, Right. She couldn't have said, well, Tim, you started your own academic, you could start your own academic journal. No, I could not. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I mean by the reasonable yeah. part, right? And I think that, that helped me and I still remember it. That was like 28 years ago. You know, it just makes me also realize that what, what Noreen did and, and what some spouses have landed on is this ability to, uh, to express even something as uh, powerful as gratitude in a way that, that really can speak. So sometimes just saying, you're great, I love you, means one thing. But oh, that's for really many good. others, yep. to be able to say something like, I think even recognizing that, that you know, uh, honey, you work so hard, and I so value great, the fact Chris. that you get up, you don't miss work, you come home, and you put in that much time, and I deeply am appreciative of that. Or, honey, when you go and you're yeah. spending all of this time, and you, I know you'd rather be with the kids, or I know you'd rather be doing this, but you instead are doing this. I just want to say I deeply value That's that. That's so good, Chris, because we even shorten it. Like, hey, love you. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks. Yeah. You know, kind of stuff, man. So, hey, in wrapping this up, let me just say to you, uh, applying what we've just learned, you are the second best podcast host. <laughs> I <you>. know. <laughs> and I just, I mean that. I could tell you that. In fact, I, that's what bothers me so much is that you do mean that. And, so if there was and my a way, mind will not be swayed. If I thought at any level you were joking, then I would probably you know, to accept that more. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's keep talking about this idea because I think in marriages, Tim, and the idea of, of how we let somebody else in and what we share, our words, there's so much power to them yeah. because people can impact and influence us in ways that shape us. And we do that with each other. We shape and get the spouse we want because we're actively kind of creating that Absolutely. with our words and gratitude. So, well, man, it's great. Let's do best this. Best podcast I've done today. <laughs> hey, come to visit us at cmr.biola.edu. We got all kinds of events and blogs and things going on. And uh, come check it out. We're just glad to have you with us and uh, talk to you next man, time. Great to be with you guys. Mm -hmm.